Rundown. It's time for the Rundown with Rob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. All right, I got to start the whole show over because everything was a muck. All right, we're going to go to the phones right now. Justin Hall joins us. Justin, welcome into the Rundown, man. Appreciate you joining us. I'm so happy to be on with you, Rob. How are things? Things are better now that my wonderful engineer, old chief engineer Branscombe, came in here and fixed my phones. I thought I was going to have to. I thought I was going to have to have like a, like a social media incident with AT and T or whoever the heck does our phones. Man, I was I was getting mad. I could. I was going to get ready to send in a smoke signal as answers if I needed to. Well, we could put those on Twitter. You could find those smoke signals at Justin B Hall. I would be responding from at Rob Sounds Good. That's how we would uh, we take pictures of our smoke signals and send them out that way. But Justin joins us today to talk a little bit about the Gamecocks, and I want to put a wrap on the Lexington County Blowfish season because I know uh, you guys just wrapped your stuff up with that. So uh, let's get into it really quick here. The Gamecocks today, you never want to hear the words transfer portal at this time of camp, but that's what happened today with the Gamecocks with uh, Valentine, the running back from Florida, saying, hey, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I'm not – a lot of people are apprehensive about it. I'm actually – I don't think it's that big of a concern simply because you have three – well, four. I mean, A.J. Turner, Rico Dowdle, Mon Denson, now Tavian Feaster that are really going to be your four probably featured backs, A.J. not so much. And then you also have um, – you have Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick as well on the back side of that. So the running back depth is fine. I think this is just an example of – guys showing themselves, proving themselves in camp, and who knows, maybe there was a con- I don't have this as a source, but maybe there was a conversation behind the scenes saying, hey, you know, your playing time isn't going to be that great here. Um, maybe it's best if you were to look elsewhere, and maybe that was just Levante's decision altogether. Just, you know, Maybe let me reevaluate things here and see if there are pastures that are greener elsewhere, because that running back room right now is pretty crowded. It gets less crowded after the season, but again, where does he fall on that depth chart heading in even to 2020? Well, he was a redshirt freshman this year. And then right. you've got to think about it from this perspective. If the coaching staff was going to tell him, hey, you're not really going to play much. Uh, if I was on the coaching staff, though, I would have been like, I would have tried to lobby to keep him there because he is would be an experience back coming up for next season. But I always like to think ahead. But the million-dollar question that I have to ask you is, is that Octavian Feaster didn't decide to transfer to South Carolina? Do you think Valentine would still be on the team? That is a that is a that's a million dollar question, and you, we'll never know the answer. Right now, if you had to if you asked me that right now, what you just did, I'd, I'd say yeah. If Tavian didn't transfer, Valentine's probably still there, and he's not transferring out. So again, that whole that one move that we kind of saw coming for a while um, may change the landscape of South Carolina running backs for the next couple of years. So with that, what do you expect from Tavian Feaster as he uh, will suit up and uh, line up for the Gamecocks? I'm of the opinion, and it's just because I've watched a lot of Feaster playing, I think that he brings a little bit of a jolt back to that Gamecock offense where they lost that jolt with Debo Samuel. They've got a young man who is, I think, second all-time at Clemson as far as his yards per carry. If, If Feaster gets the ball in space, look out. 
Yeah, he's going to be able to be the one to spread the field. You know, I've looked at some things, too, and, and I watch a lot of NFL tape as well, and he reminds you of that running back in the NFL who you can use in that short passing game as well. So he can really spread the field really well. He's going to give you, like you said, that jolt to the Carolina offense. I think he's going to make that running back room the best it's been since 2014, 2013. Because right. if you really look at it, since since Marcus Lattimore, Mike Davis, obviously the – a lot of people believe he's underrated, and I, I could go along with that. But the Carolina running back position has not been that great since Marcus Lattimore left and since Mike Davis was there. So this is a much-needed jolt, and I think it adds a little bit of competitiveness. There's never there's never too much competitiveness, in my opinion, for a starting position. I think there's always room for guys to push each other, and I think Tavian provides that. Justin B. Hall on Twitter. Justin Hall, of course, works with our best Gamecock coverage on News Radio 560 WVOC across the hall. I'm happy. This, you know, this is my 16th year working with the best Gamecock coverage, Justin. Where, where were so you 16 years ago, sir? 16 years ago. Well, 16 <laughs> years ago from right now, I was eight years old. Um, so that would have been in 2003. Actually, I think I started in 2002. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So 2002. So 2002, I was actually seven. Um, I was getting ready to head into, I believe, the third grade. And I had not yet, I really hadn't been demoralized by Carolina football yet. It would take a few more years. You know, Christopher Thompson had hair when I started doing that show. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, not, not, not to mock our, our leader of, of the pack over there, but you should check out our best Gamecock coverage if you're a Gamecock fan on News Radio 560 WVOC. The best part about it, is that we don't have anybody who tells us what we can or can't say. And we, we can say whatever it is we feel like we need to say about the program. None of it's canned, and it's live. We take your calls right off the bat. But a couple other things that I wanted to get with you about today. Of course, you mentioned uh, uh, Turner. I, I think that mm-hmm. Turner, they've talked a little bit about him playing some defense. That didn't really work out too well in the bowl game. But maybe that's a good move for the young man to get him on the field. Well, he's going to be. He's been repping there quite a bit during uh, during the early part of fall camp. I've been reading some reading some reports out of fall camp from certain publications, and um, you know, the more reps you get there, I think it just adds a little bit of depth, uh, at least early on. Um, he's going to get work in special teams, and who knows? There could be some times where he gets in the running back position, but I believe just based on the needs of the team offensively, he may be better served to play the defensive side just because of what Feaster. Denson and Rico bring to the running back position. I'm, I think AJ is one of those guys uh, who is willing to do whatever he needs to do for the team, and I think that can really set him up for success in a must champ and and T Rob defense. Well, let me ask you this: Do you feel upset about um, if he goes out there and he's one of your guys that gets a lot of reps at defensive back? Am I upset by that? Yeah. Or does that upset you if he goes out there, meaning that? This guy's been playing running back, but we've not recruited well enough in the secondary where we're having to go and basically pick a running back to play D-back. Yeah, you can look at it a couple of different ways. I mean, last year it kind of bothered me, but then, of course, if you run through the guys you're bringing in defensively this year, uh, you, you, J.C. Horn's back, Israel Mukwamu, R.J. Roderick, uh, Shiloh Sanders, Cam Smith. So you're, you're developing that. Uh, that secondary a bit better than you have in years past. You're starting to get some depth there. It's just young depth. So if he repped there at the end of last season, through spring, in the fall, I'm not so much concerned about it now, now that he's been repping there continuously. When you have to throw him out there, that's when it is a concern. 
Um, but no, that doesn't really upset me very much. I think it's I like to look at the optimist side and say, wow, that's a guy who's willing to play whatever position it takes. So maybe I'm just a little naive in that. But I'll go with the optimist side. All right. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think about the young man Pickens coming down, Zach Pickens? Uh, do you think he's going to get a lot of play this season? Because, you know, all the talk is is that he's got the, the NFL body and everything mm-hmm. else. But if you remember correctly, uh, back when Clowney started, which in my opinion is the, the highest rated, without a doubt, player to ever play for South Carolina, when he came in, it took him a couple of games before he started to make a difference on that defensive line. Do you think Pickens is going to come in and, and make an impact his freshman year? Well, I don't, think you, I don't think you can come in and set the world on fire game one. And if you do, I think you've discovered something. Um, but you look at that defensive line, Ricky Sandage, um, you've got Javon Kenlaw, you've got Wanham as well. And that defensive line is going to be A-OK. Um, and if you can get some quality production from, from Zach Pickens early on in the season, it bodes well for your second half. I, I think he's going to have a really good freshman year. I don't know if it'll be Clowney-level freshman year, because Clowney, right around, I want to say that Georgia game, and then after you saw him really start to put his foot into the ground a little bit better and, and make some impact. Um I don't know if I'm going to put him on that. I don't want to put that much pressure on Zach. Um, but he, he's going to make an impact early. I just don't know how much he's going to get repped at, that, at those positions through at least games one through three. I think after the Alabama game, you'll really start to see who is separating themselves on that defensive line. So I asked about um, the stuff with Feaster, and I, and I talked to Coach Eric Wilson, who, of course, works with us over on our Gamecock coverage, and I said, if you brought somebody in – at this point of the season where, let's be honest, a week ago, Tavian Feaster was a Clemson student. Now mm-hmm. he, he is working with the Gamecocks. But do you think there's a tad bit of maybe a little bit of jealousy in that running back room? Because this young man's coming in to get carries. He's not coming in to screw around. He's coming in to make plays so he can get some good NFL film. But do you think guys like Dowdle and even Turner to an extent are looking at it from a, a perspective of, Hey, maybe uh, this guy's taking some of my my my, uh, my carries away. Well, Rico's been hurt. Rico has struggled with injuries for much of his career, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there first. But then my argument on the other side of that, if there is some, I'd say, well, where was the production when you were the guy? Where was the consistent production from the running game throughout your career? Um, that it's not there. So that's why they had to go out and get basically a quote unquote free agent. In, in many respects. Um, so there might be a little bit of jealousy, and I think that's fine. I think that's very natural, the competitiveness. And, um, but my my response to that would be, well, if you produced more, then you might not have this problem. Um, so I think, it'll, I think it makes everybody else better. I'm a big believer in that, not so much the quarterback position, but other positions, running back, wide receiver, tight end even on the offensive side. It makes people better. It drives you to say, well, I can perform better than him. So hopefully we'll see that this year. All right, my uh, my final question for you on the Gamecocks, and I want to talk a minute of baseball with you. Uh, do you think that we need to know who the number two quarterback is clear-cut before we start the season? Um, before you start the season, no. Um, but I think the answer to that question should be made abundantly clear after game one or whenever that first blowout game is if you're if you're taking north carolina behind the woodshed who who trots out there first um i don't i'm not a big fan of the jake bentley one and then the carry and joiner or ryan helensky too i'm not a big fan of the or 
um, I would like to know a clear cut, and I think it would be very beneficial for Joiner to know um, because, again, we're at a campus that Ryan Holinsky is really impressing the coaches and, and really taking hold of the offense well when he's running the twos. Um, so, again, I think it's very important to know who that second guy is. You can rep him as much as you can. If Jake Bentley is taking 60% of the ones or 70% or 80% of the ones in practice during the week, who's taking that other 20%? Um, so, I think it's very important to know who your number two quarterback is. Again, maybe not before North Carolina in week one, but certainly by Charleston Southern in week two. All right, pivoting to baseball for a little bit. Uh, the Atlanta Braves today are bringing up uh, Fultonavich. Mike Fultonavich is going to be back on the mound tonight for the Atlanta Braves. And I think they were caught off guard a little bit with uh, Gosman being picked up off waivers. So they bring, they re-promote Fultonavich, who had been sent down to uh, Gwinnett. Do you think he's going to get his stuff together and actually make himself a viable starter for the Braves? Because he has shown at points where he is really good. Yeah, last season, last season he pitched really well. This season has been a struggle coming back from the injury. Um, you know, the one thing this does do, Rob, though, when you bring Fulte in tonight, which I'll be, I'll be watching that game pretty closely tonight. If you, if you bring Fulte back tonight, it does give Freed and Tehran and Keuchel an extra day of rest, which is good. You need to start getting those as Atlanta is going to try to secure up a, a, a division championship here in a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, Fulte, hopefully he's got his stuff going. Hopefully his fastball has a little bit of life to it. Um, if, he can, if he can work that fastball down um, and then, and then get, some, get some movement on his breaking stuff, he can keep some hitters off balance. The only thing is he's pitching his first game back in the bigs in a while in a very hitter-friendly park against a team that just, just cranks home runs out out the wazoo and um, hopefully Miguel Sano is not playing tonight because he ended the night last night with a bang but um, I'd like to see Fulte do well but again that offense is still good enough for the Braves they can catch fire at any minute so if he can keep Atlanta within two or three runs through his start hopefully he goes five maybe six Atlanta's got a good chance to uh, even up that series tonight in, in Minnesota. All right, one of the cool things that Justin gets to do every summer, and I'm kind of jealous of it I mean I'm not going to be like hey he's taking my carries or whatever but he gets to call all the games for the Lexington County Blowfish, and you guys have got you guys have had Gamecocks and Tigers and everybody else on your team throughout the year. Uh, tell us how mm-hmm. your season wrapped up and uh, some players that stood out on the Blowfish this year. Well, you know, we didn't have the best of seasons on the field. Uh, we were in playoff position in the early part of the second half of the season, but injuries kind of caught up with us a little bit, and the season didn't end how we wanted to. But um, I'll say this for Clemson fans. Um, I am. I, you should be very excited because Bo Mikowski and Michael Green are going to be fantastic players for you guys in the in the coming years. Um, Michael Green ended up hitting six home runs with us this summer, and he didn't get there until mid June because of the regionals. Um, he actually, in his final game with us a couple of weeks ago, he hit three home runs in a single game, uh, which was phenomenal to watch. Uh, Sheldon Reed, another middle relief guy in the, out of the bullpen, going to be somebody who's going to be very important for for Clemson. Um, Houston Wright, a name that a lot of people don't really know, uh, but Houston Wright played at Spartanburg Methodist College. He's transferring to UT Martin. He's got one of the more pure swings I've ever seen out of a college player. So those are just a couple of names uh, that I, that come to me right off the top of my head. The Citadels, Shane Connolly, uh, he pitched for us this summer. He is actually, we just named him on our social media, uh, at Go Blowfish. You can see we just named him our uh, Pitcher of the Year for the team. 
pitched the most innings, had the most strikeouts of any pitcher this season. So a lot of good local talent played for us this year and, and pitched and, and hit the ball really well. But for Clemson specifically, Michael Green and Bo Mikowski, I'm they impressed me all summer long with how well they play the game and, and how good they conduct themselves. So Monty Lee's got him some, some good guys there in those two. All right, now you got to promise to come in. I'd like to have you in studio and uh, before the season starts. Can can I can I book with your agent to get you to come in here and, and talk some uh, some Gamecock and Clemson football with us before the season starts? Well, I'll tell you what. Have your people call my people, <laughs> and we will and we'll try to work something out. We'll make it work. Listen, I'm not Tom Brady. I'm not taking pay cuts, man. <laughs> I'll have to dig into the fun. I tell you what. I'll give you double what I gave you the last time you came in. Perfect. Sounds great. That sounds great. Justin Hall. Done deal. Thanks for joining us today, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Have a good one, man. All right. At Justin B. Hall on Twitter. Great guy. Does a lot of stuff with baseball. Covers a lot of local sports. Uh, Go and follow Justin on Twitter, at Justin B. Hall. He's going to come in and uh, do a show with us before the season starts uh, and uh, talk a little bit of football and who knows where we'll go. Justin's like like an encyclopedia, man. He knows all that stuff. We will have the list. Coming up momentarily, these are the top five Carolina Panthers ever, in my opinion anyway. The list, when we come back, here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Strap in. It's time for The List. The List this afternoon here on Fox Sports Radio 1400, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Today's list is pretty simple. You know, the Carolina Panthers are celebrating their 25th year as a franchise here in Charlotte. I know I called them the Charlotte Panthers because I was upset about wasting all that money to bring the facility up there, but they are the Carolina Panthers. We'll give them that. And I'll tell you what, this is the top five Panthers in my book, anyway. You can call up with your top five, 803-978-1832. At number five, I'm going to go with Cam Newton. I think he's still got some more time, and he'll move his way up on the board. But as of right now, he's been the face of the franchise since he was drafted number one overall. The entire season, this um, this the entire season, in my opinion, hinges on what Cam Newton does. So Cam Newton is my pick at number five. Number four. Number four is Thomas Davis, who is no longer with the team, but he was one of the linebackers for them, and did, in my opinion, just a great job throughout his career. But he also cared about the team and kind of moved his, kind of left his legacy there with the Panthers. All right. So he is at number four. Number three. Number three is Luke Keekley. Now, Keekley, of course, is having some issues this year with injuries, and he had some concussions last year, but he was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year at one point. And he has been a line drive pick for the Carolina Panthers. I like him at number three. Number two. Number two on the list for me is Julius Peppers. Now, I think Julius Peppers, he did move around a good bit in his career. But when Julius Peppers came out, he was a dominant player coming out of North Carolina. The guy could hoop. In addition to playing some football, one of the most feared pass rushers in NFL history, he is at number two. And number one. Standing in at five foot nine hundred and ninety pounds, whatever it is that he was, the Durling Dynamo, the I'll slap the hell out of you, even if you're on my team, Steve Smith, 
checks in at number one. He is my favorite Panther. Now, bear in mind, I'm a Packers fan, but I always respected Steve Smith. Because if you didn't, he would find you and he would slap you. He was that kind of guy. He played his entire career with with a chip on his shoulder, always wanting to fight. It was almost like little man syndrome. But he made it count on the field, and he was one of the best, the best to play that position. And in my opinion, he is the top Carolina Panther. Bill on Facebook Live says Sam Mills and Steve Smith. You know, Sam Mills was right there on the cusp of being there. I'll give you that. Some of the other guys that were near the list there include, uh, I liked Ryan Khalil. You know, you don't really think about the offensive line much, but he was an anchor on that offensive line forever. Greg Olson at tight end. You know, the Panthers have had, other than Steve Smith, They've had some decent wide receivers, but Greg Olson at tight end has made Cam Newton's life a lot easier. So I I like Greg Olson a good bit. You could argue D'Angelo Williams. Some people may say Jonathan Stewart. I'm not on that front. You know, John Casey, the kicker. Make an argument there with that if you're into special teams. But I kind of like John Beeson. That's there, too. Some guys that I think will move up eventually. I think that... Christian McCaffrey, if he keeps on the pace that he's on, he's going to have an opportunity to move his way up up the ladder there. And uh, I like Mike Tolbert, even though he moved on. I thought he was great. He was like a bowling ball at running back. Just out there doing his things, man. Very interesting player there. Mike Tolbert, and then who can forget Steven Davis as well. So there you go. There's my picks for the Carolina Panthers. My top five. All right. If you want to call in with your top five, have at it, 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832 is the number to call. We're going to pivot to something else here real quick. You know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Art Bryles. He got a job at a high school coaching. And, you know, when I think about it, Art Bryles coaching again on the high school level, really bothers me. And I guess it's because of the culture that they had, and that's the word that they use. It was basically a rape culture at Baylor. But I'm also in the camp of, we live in a forgiving society. And I think that if you've expressed regret and you are willing to make changes and make yourself better, I think that America is a country that will forgive you. Now, I don't know if I want Art Bryles so soon after this stuff happened at Baylor back out on the field with a high school team. Go and be a coordinator with grown men. You should have the ability to go and do that. I'm sure someone would hire you as a quarterback coach, whatever, okay? I don't know if I'm in the camp of he should be in Texas doing um, high school football. But apparently one reporter asked him a question, and it caught some fire last night. Here's the question to Bryles and the way that he handled it. Speaking of support, y'all are the Tigers. Any any talk about changing it to the scapegoats? Oh, none none, none whatsoever. We're Tigers. We're Mount Vernon Tigers. Thank you. Yeah, so he kind of laughed it off. But apparently there's a section of people that really don't like what, uh, what happened there at Baylor. 
By the way, you can check out the full story. It's on my blog page at foxsportsradio1400.com. Also on my blog page, I appreciate you guys checking this out. I wrote up an article on who will replace Nick Saban at Alabama. And this is there's an actual Las Vegas odds that came out on this the other day. And it's interesting that Dabo Sweeney is at number one at three to one odds. And you kind of expect that because, hey, Dabo Sweeney's going home. I get that. Alabama fans are all on board with it. They're like, yeah, he's just over there working so we don't have to pay him while Saban's here. That's, that's the vibe that Alabama fans have, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. But there are other coaches on this list that are interesting, too, such as Will Muschamp. Muschamp comes in at 5-1. to one. Excuse me, 6-1. to one. And the article that I read said, Would the Crimson Tide really hire a guy who's lost 10 straight games versus nationally ranked teams, entering his fourth season with the Gamecocks? Muschamp's strengths are obvious as a respected defensive guru and extremely talented recruiter, but he hasn't proven it yet as a head coach. But, according to the website that I found this article on, they like him at 6-1. to one. But they also like another coach. And this one was kind of interesting, too. They like Kirby Smart at 5-1. to one. Now, Kirby Smart is home at Georgia. But understand, Alabama doesn't care. They think that if they offer you the job there, they're going to back up the Brinks truck, whatever it is that you need, and they're going to give you whatever it is that you want. Now, they expect the world. You better come in and be the next Bear Bryant or the next Nick Saban, or we're going to make you go away quick. But to get you there, they don't care. And maybe the SEC Coach of the Year in 2017, maybe he wants to go to Alabama. You just don't know. But that's really interesting. By the way, check out the full write-up on that at foxsportsradio1400.com. My uh, column up there up front, just click on lineup and my name, Rob Sanders, and you can read all of the coaches that they think will have an opportunity to succeed when Nick, uh, Nick Saban decides to hang it up. Uh, one of the other names on there I thought was interesting was Urban Meyer. But I think he's going to Southern Cal this year. But then again, Nick Saban may be the crypt keeper and coach until he's 906 years old. I may be just coming in here and doing a, doing a radio show with someone 40 years younger than I am eventually. And that may be when Nick Saban decides to retire. More of the rundown in just a moment. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. Final segment of the rundown this afternoon. We're going to have uh, some comments here from Coach Dabo Sweeney yesterday after Clemson's practice. Here's some comments from the uh, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Uh, for, first day uh, in pads, so uh, exciting day. You know, kind of been building to it. Uh, shells, shoulder pads only, and then we'll, we'll we've got one more day in shoulder pads. And so you kind of got this acclimatization period or acclimatization, however you say it, uh, for these five days and leading into full pads on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, I tell you, I'm just super, super encouraged by what I've seen so far um, in in these first few days. Uh, The energy, the tempo, uh, the leadership, um, 
just just a, an enthusiasm out here. You know, guys that have been about their business. It's been very clean practices. You know, just from a just the little things that I kind of always look at when I'm evaluating how the practice is going. You know, you're going to have some good plays and some bad plays and things like that, but just the, the effort, the energy, the commitment to do the little things the way we want them done, it's been really good. And uh, been blessed with, with the weather, too, these first few days. So uh, off to a good start, and i uh, got a lot to do. Uh, time's getting away, so it won't be long, but uh, we got a nice plan as far as our progression, as far as how we're going to get them ready. And, and I'd say we're, we're – you know, probably a little ahead, uh, to be honest with you. Any questions? Any people in particular that have caught your eye? Oh, man, yeah, lots of guys. I mean, listen, we got a, we got a talented group of, of, of individuals and we've had lots of guys uh, really cross the board from, you know, our guys that y'all would think about all the way down to some of the walk-on guys. I mean, we got a, we got a really, really good roster. Uh, young, young roster, but, but, you know, talented group. And uh, we're very encouraged by uh, really everybody. Really not disappointed in anybody at this point. What are you seeing from the defensive line specifically? Yeah, I'm very. I was just telling them that you know that's probably been my my biggest encouragement to this point is is defensively. They just look so different than they did in the spring. You know, those first three days of spring practice, it was it was like, wow, we got a lot of work to do. Uh, and, man, we just look totally different. I'm so impressed and proud of, of, of the leadership of the defense, first of all. You know, the Scousers and AJs and Kayvons and Muses and Justin Fosters and those guys and Isaiah. Those guys have worked their tails off in this offseason, you know, from a from a mental standpoint, and I mean, we have, I mean we're young uh, up front. We're young, but we, you know, obviously Niles and Jordan get back in there. That makes all the difference in the world. But but across the board, I mean, we look just so much more uh, like a knowledgeable defense. You know. Uh, much more coordinated, and guys are flying around. So I'm very encouraged with the work that they put in when nobody's watching. And that, that's really – I always say that all the time. That's when that's when you make your biggest gains is coming out of spring and that transformation. And that, that group has truly transformed physically and mentally uh, since, since the last time I saw them on the field. So I'm very encouraged. I was kind of wanted to see how it went today with the pads on. Uh, so – it's off to a really good start with that group. And again, they're young, but but I'm excited about you know what we've got to work with and and where they are from a progression standpoint right now. Coach Dabo Sweeney yesterday after practice as uh, Clemson continues their fall camp. All right, final story before we get out of here today. Down in Houston, an NFL rookie defensive back may have gotten a little bit too physical during a joint practice with another team this week. Lonnie Johnson Jr., the former uh, player from Kentucky. Apparently, he was... eh, Maybe he was hitting people a little bit too hard in practice. Um, Yeah, that's basically what they're saying. So much so that he had to be escorted off the field. That's not what you want. But then again, maybe that is what you want. Here's what Coach Bill O'Brien said about the young defensive back. You know, that's between me and Lonnie. It's not a big deal. Just It was a play that developed over there, and it was time for Lonnie to head to the showers. Yeah, so apparently he hit Packers rookie tight end Jay Sternberger, 
and it was a little bit too physical for practice. But for me, I look at it, and, and now if it was a dirty hit, I haven't actually seen the hit yet. But if it was a, if it was a dirty hit, then yeah, he should have been, you know, hey, get, get out of here for a little bit. But the reality is that if you play, like every snap is your last snap, which is what they tell you to do anyway, you're telling me I'm practicing too hard? Really? Really? Some Packers players weren't happy about it. Devontae Adams says that was unnecessary. You get plenty of time for that. You can do it in the games and you get fined. So apparently he thought the hit was dirty. I don't know. I think a lot of times that, and I'm not saying it should be, you know, you should have brutal headshots and stuff like that, but sometimes hard play can go overboard just a little bit. I'm looking forward to see if there's video on this because if there is, and he's just out there just practicing his butt off, trying to make sure that he reserves a spot on the team. I think that says a little bit about maybe where football's heading. Not sure on that. We'll keep you up to date on that as we go. How does that sound? So no rundown tomorrow or Thursday. Taking care of some family stuff at home. But Lawton Swan, he is the czar of Clemson sports. He'll be here both days. He's not going to do my show, but he's going to do his show from 4 to 6. So be sure to check out Lawton Swan. He is the czar of Clemson sports. All the Clemson information you need, the Swan will have it. I'm serious. He's got it all. Everything you need to know. And by the way, check out his website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. If you're a Clemson fan, go and sign up now. The forums are, are interesting, the way that Clemson fans look at stuff. And, of course, breaking news and all that good stuff from the Clemson Tiger fan base, the Clemson Tiger Nation, whatever it is you want to call it, anything involving Clemson, especially football, you got to check that out at ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Also, my blog page at FoxSportsRadio1400.com has the life and trials of Art Bryles. Should he be asked tough questions? Apparently some people say no. Go and check that out on the blog page. Also, the rundown on where these guys rate as far as who is going to replace Nick Saban when he heads out of Alabama. Can't coach forever. He's 67 years old. Nobody beats father time. Nobody beats father time. But Nick Saban getting it done at Alabama now, but how long will he be able to continue at the pace that he is? And who will replace him? Full article on that up on the blog page, foxsportsradio1400.com. Look up there under uh, a lineup and then click Rob Sanders, and it's right there for you. All right. As I said, I'm out tomorrow, but I will be on the Twitter. I will be tweeting at Rob Sounds Good. So be sure to check me out there on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good, as I said. More of the rundown on Friday on Fox Sports Radio 1400.